the reading this morning is from the first epistle of John, and in the Pew Bible it is on page 1226, and in the large print Bible, page 1931. So, first epistle of John, chapter 3. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law, In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, Do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Here ends the reading. Good, thank you, Alan, very much. Uh, Let's pray together, shall we? Father God, we thank you that in your amazing love you speak to us through your Son, you speak to us by your Spirit, you speak to us through your Word. We pray that by your Spirit you will open your word to our hearts and minds and our hearts and minds to your word, that we may draw near to you and know the reality of your amazing love for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, um, Tom and Mike have decided that um, the series through these summer uh, vacation months should be on people's favorite passages. And we've uh, had some very interesting and great um, sermons. 
uh, and it is actually very difficult. I found it extraordinarily difficult to decide which was one of my favorite passages. I've got so many. But in the end, I thought I would focus on this uh, passage and especially this one verse, verse one. And that's going to come up on the screen. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God, and we are. So I'm going to do the rather old-fashioned thing and preach on a text. That is my text, and I will be expounding on that. It's very sad that the version of the NIV that you've got in the pews misses out the word behold. It doesn't even say see. Fortunately, the revised NIV that came up on the screen did have the word see. But the word behold is a very important one. That is the very first word in this text. It is an arresting word, and it means take time to look, stop, mark, observe, and gaze, reflect on this amazing love. And that's what we're going to try and do this morning, to look at what kind of love it is that we should be called the children of God. That is what we are. The version I've given you on the screen there, just, just have it again, shall we, is actually my own uh, version based on the authorised version, but it's not quite the same because the authorised version has hath instead of has, and it says we should be called the sons of God, which is quite wrong, actually. The original there is children. And so to translate it to sons shows the sort of disposition of some of the translators of the uh, authorised version. But um, it is children of God. And it misses out, and we are. The NIV says that is what we are, but the original Greek says simply, and we are. A great statement. I am a child of God. That is the reality. I am a child of God because of God's amazing love. Just say that together. I am a child of God. You can receive that for yourself and be assured that that is the case. As children, we've been born again into a new family, a new people, a new relationship with God as our Father and with many brothers and sisters here and across the world. We are born again, we're told in John 3, by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said you must be born again by the Spirit. And in 1 Peter, we're born again by the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. So we're born again both by Word and Spirit. And we're also, we're also described as being adopted into this family, that is chosen. So we have a new life and a new standing because we are adopted as well as born. I like that because some of you may have been adopted into your earthly family. You are included in this, as well as those who have been born into a human family. So we're born and adopted, and we can all say, I am a child of God. All from God's amazing love. And I want us to consider, therefore, to look at the nature of this love. The original word there, what, which the authorised version translates as what manner of love, is a very questioning sort of word. Let's have the next slide up. It means, where's it from and what's it like? It's a word that might be used when 
someone suddenly turns up and they're a stranger to you, and you say, well, where are you from? What kind of person are you? And it's a bit got that flavor about it. And I'll give you a couple of examples that come from the New Testament. When Mary was visited by the Archangel Gabriel to be told that she was going to be uh, the mother of Jesus, she said, she was quite troubled in her spirit, and she said, what kind of message is this? That's the same word. What kind of, where's it from? It's not from this world, it's from somewhere else. Where's it from? What's it like? Second example is when Jesus um, was in the boat with the disciples and a great storm came up and they were all afraid that um, things were bad things were going to happen. Jesus gets up and says, peace, be still, and there was a great calm. And the disciples said, they were really intrigued and amazed, and they said, what kind of man is this? The same word. Where is he from? It's from somewhere else. It's not sort of something that's part and parcel of the kind of people we know here. Here, Where is it from? What's it like? And so John is saying, look at this love. Look at where is it from? What's it like? Far more than most translations simply say how great it is. It's where is it from? What's it like? God's own love it is. Where is it from? From God himself. God's own love. He is love in himself. That's where it comes from. It doesn't come from anywhere else. Twice in this same letter, John says God is love. He is love in his own relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's also loved because his love is always outgoing. It's always missional. Some people can look at the whole of Scripture and say, this is all the missio dei, it's all the mission of God. And that flows from his love. It's always moving out in creation, in redemption, in providence, and in his eternal purposes. God's love is always moving out. The message actually has quite a reasonable sort of paraphrase of this verse. What marvellous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. That's quite good, isn't it? Take time and look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. So I want to spend the rest of the time looking at this in two sort of dimensions, this love from God. And the first is love from God for us becoming God's children. The second would be love of God, God's love in us living as God's children. So we are God's children. We've said that together. I am a child of God. God's love is first of all for us uh, as we become God's children. And there are a number of things I want us to say as we reflect on this love. And there are lots and lots of adjectives that you could use and devise for it. I've just selected some that have come to me. First of all, it is a forgiving love. Only through forgiveness can we be reconciled to God. And so often, as we know, we go our own way, which is why we have our confession every week. We know there are things and attitudes that we have uh, that we go the wrong way, and we do selfish things, and we easily forget God. Yet in his amazing love, God wants to forgive us so that we can be reconciled to him as his children and belong to him. And he took the initiative in this. It is from God. We love him because he first loved us and we all need forgiveness. 
I don't know whether you listened to Thought for the Day, but on Wednesday this week, um, Lucy Winkett spoke about and referred to a novel by Ernest Hemingway, a short story in which a person there puts a notice in a newspaper for his son. Lots of people in, in that part of the world are called Paco, short of Francis. And um, he said, this message said, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana, all is forgiven. Did somebody hear this? Yeah, all is forgiven. So, the father goes to the hotel, 800 young men turn up because they were aware of their need of forgiveness. God's love is a forgiving love. Jesus went to the cross. He loved me and gave himself for me so that I could be forgiven. No wonder Charles Wesley put in his hymn, Amazing Love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Which leads on to my second word, which is, it is a redeeming love. Speaking of the cost of our salvation and our forgiveness, that Jesus went to the pain of the cross and the sacrifice that that involved so that we could belong to him. The idea of redemption is that we belong. It is a picture of what happened in the ancient world when a slave was redeemed, was bought back. A sum was paid so that the person could be free and belong to the person who had brought his freedom. In a sense, there was a relationship there of belonging. And so a person, we are redeemed. We are brought back from wherever we were to belong to God. His is a redeeming love. And the cost of it was the sacrifice of the cross and the shedding of his blood. We are redeemed not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, which we remember in our communion services. And it's the very heart of the good news of who we are as Christians. We are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Where we used to live in um, London was within a quarter of a mile of a cemetery big cemetery in West Nord where uh, the Tate family, the sugar people, were buried with a great mausolea. And also there in pride of place is the tomb of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And uh, when you find it, it's really impressive. And there on the side of this tomb are these words about uh, the blood of Christ as the theme of his preaching, the heart of what it was to be a Christian Ere since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme, and shall be till I die. Then in a nobler, sweeter song I'll sing thy power to save, when this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. Redeeming love, forgiving love, redeeming love. Then it's also God's love is a caring love. He provides for us. Jesus said, didn't he, don't worry about anything, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, or anything else. Your heavenly Father knows. He doesn't just know, he loves. And in love, he created the world with all that we need for our lives. Of course, we know there's a lot of maldistribution, and the way in which we show our love is to 
support agencies and do what we can to ensure a better distribution of the resources that there are in the world from God's love. And in our personal, in our family lives, and in our lives with friends, God cares, God provides, God guides. There are many testimonies of, uh, in magazines and so on of how God cares for his people, our Heavenly Father, his, we are his children. And Jesus asked the question, didn't he, when he told a story, he said, well, how can a Heavenly Father not care for his children? So it's a caring love. And then this love is an unfailing and eternal love. The Psalms are full of this phrase, God's unfailing love. Just give you four examples. The Lord's unfailing love surrounds those who trust in him. The earth is full of God's unfailing love. Give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. And a prayer, may your unfailing love be my comfort. We are his children. God will not fail us. In this life and for all eternity, his, un, his love is unfailing. Nothing can separate us, says Paul to the Romans, from the love of God. Neither death nor life, things present, things to come, nothing else in all creation can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Him writer puts it like this, loved with everlasting love, led by grace that love to know, spirit breathing from above, thou hast taught me it is so. In a love which cannot cease, I am his and he is mine. So here we have God's love for us, that we might become his children, a forgiving love, redeeming love, a caring love, an unfailing and eternal love. What about love from God in us so that we can live according to our calling as God's children? God's amazing love is reproduced and replicated in us so that we have that likeness to God. God's love in us. We say that, don't we, about children and grandchildren. We say, oh, you know, they're so like their grandmother. She's like her grandmother. Or he's like his dad or his granddad. His nose is the same, or his eyes are the same colour, his hair, her hair is the same colour as her mum, and so on. We look for that likeness. We too are to have the likeness of God in us as we live as God's children. And this whole chapter is that was read to us by Alan was about how that's to show itself in our right living. And that's that chapter. And there's a bridging verse at the end. Those who are children of God, this is how you know the difference. Those who, know, who live rightly and those who love rightly. And then the next chapter in chapter 4 is all about how we love one another. If God so loved us, we love one another. Here we know we're the children of God because we love one another. So it's about right living and about loving. But I want to just look at it um, uh, in, with a few other adjectives uh, about this love of God in us. And the first one is, it is life-giving. We have a new life so that we can live in these new ways. We talked about the new birth, didn't we? And adopted, being adopted to belong to God and his family. God's life is in us. He who has the Son has life. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. And the Spirit gives life and sets you free. I'm going to go through this fairly quickly. Secondly, it is a transforming love. 
This love from God in us sets us free, liberates us from selfishness and sin, from our self-centered tendencies and temptations. It is empowering and transforms us so that by the Holy Spirit we can overcome our innate selfishness that so often gets in the way and live for God. We saw a wonderful example of that this week, didn't we? That um, Nigerian school teacher who sadly was stabbed by a, a, a pupil. And I expect you saw on television, if you didn't, here is what he said. He said, as a Christian, I forgive this boy. I've forgiven him who has inflicted this trauma and pain on me and my family as a Christian. God's forgiving love transformed him. He, it was replicated in him. It was God's forgiving love in him. It is then self-giving. That's the true meaning of the word agape. We give ourselves uh, as Jesus gave himself and God gave himself in Christ for us. That's a constant challenge for us, isn't it? To give away ourselves. Jesus said, whoever would follow me must deny himself. Whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it, will save it. And 1 Corinthians 13 is all about the nature of this self-giving love which looks to the needs of others and never fails as God's unfailing love in us. And the last point I want to make is that this love is infectious. Love like this, like God's in us, draws people to God as we live that out as his children. That was true of the early Christians. See how these Christians love one another. It was what was said about them by outsiders. They were struck by it and were drawn to it. And we had a, fan, we had a great example in this church of many people being touched by the love of God, particularly what Alison said last week about the trekkers. And as I look back over the years and see how that's grown from just a few families to drawing in now well over 50 children, 60 or more, and their families... And many of them have said, you know, they said, well, it's love that's touched us. It's the care and the love that we've received. It's infectious and it's grown from those small beginnings to the work we have here. And so other parts of the workers and saviors as well. But people can be touched by the love of God. And people have been asking, haven't they, where is it from? This love, that first question, what manner of love is this? Where is it from? It's from God, and it's infectious. So there's a challenge for us all here, isn't there? As we seek to live out this life of being God's children, with lives that have been transformed, that are self-giving and infectious. Behold, let's go, I don't even have the first text up, can we? Let's just look at that again then. Behold, what manner of love... The Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God, and we are. It's a love that's forgiving, redeeming, caring, unfailing. Life-giving, transforming, self-giving, and infectious. And we, you, are a child of God. Do you know, although we've looked at these, all these wonderful um, ways of looking at God's love, the wonderful dimensions of it. I just feel really that we've been paddling in the shadows, in the shallows. We've been paddling in the shallows. That was lovely, that song, is how deep the Father's love is for us. And there's another song, isn't there, which we know, here is love vast as the ocean. We've been paddling in the shallows. There's so much more to experience. So, 
Do reflect on this verse as the week goes on. Take time to behold, to wonder, and to worship. Let's pray together. Let's be quiet and silent for a few moments to receive God's love. I'll just lead you in a thought and then we'll have a time of silence. Jesus at his baptism heard from God, you are my son whom I love. And on the basis of the assurance of God's word to us today that we are the children of God, hear this voice from God, you are my child, my daughter, my son, and I love you. Lord, what you have spoken to us, write it upon our hearts. May we receive your love afresh. And may we live out that life of love day by day. Bring to our hearts and minds those to whom that love can be shown even this week. May we have that infectious love that brings life to others. It passeth knowledge, that dear love of thine, my Saviour Jesus, yet this soul of mine would of thy love in all its breadth and length, its height and depth and everlasting strength, know more and more. O oh, fill me, Saviour Jesus, with thy love. Lord, lead me to the living fount above. Thither may I in simple faith draw nigh and never to another fountain fly but unto thee. Amen.